Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hodgkin. All right. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Sports Leadership Podcast. Big day for my co-host, Kevin DeShazo. Uh, has a new book coming out. Um, and I know, know everybody here was going to really enjoy it. I've been fortunate enough to kind of get a sneak peek of it, and he had a great launch team. Um, so some of you all have have had that chance as well. But uh, we're going to dive in, talk about how the book came about, um, what it's about, um, and then also where to find it. So uh, before we dive into that, Kevin, how's everything going in your world? Man, things are good. You know, it's and it's, at times that's a weird answer to give, right? <laughs> things are going well. Things are good. Part of me at times feels guilty because everyone just feels so overwhelmed and exhausted and and. Uh, maybe even negative. And so to, to say things are going well feels like, can we say that? Can, can we acknowledge things are okay? Um, but, but they are, you know, I, I try to keep perspective in the middle of all this and, and my, my family is, is healthy. Things are going well. Um, business, I'm busy and friends are doing well. Family, like, out, like extended family doing well. Um, Oklahoma has kind of started to open back up a little bit. So we got to go take our boys to see the grandparents you know, things are as good as, as good as they can be. So I, I really have, have honestly nothing that I could complain about um, and, and kind of enjoying the, the slower pace of, of this season at the same time. So how are things going your way? Yeah, you know, a lot the same. Um, obviously, un- the unknowns are the hardest part of this situation. I mean, it's not, I don't think in most cases, uh, the person's actual situation that is the, the worst part of it. It's almost like what what is next and how crazy is 2020 going to get? We, we say that a lot, right? And you know, what's the next thing? It's more murder hornets now. It's uh, something else that's terrible, you know, and we're only, you're not even halfway through 2020. On one hand, though, it feels like um, we just just got started and the year's flying by because uh, we've obviously stayed pretty busy. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, controlling the controllables at this point. And I agree, you know, there's so much out there that we have no control over public health, you know, uh, uh, actual virus there's obviously not much we can do except try to keep ourselves safe and keep our neighbors safe and and listen to the authorities and do do what we can to uh, to get through this but you know hopefully um, we're starting to see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel um, obviously you know in the sports world we're starting to see certain things open up again and you know again we don't know don't know what this will look like but we've had proposals from major league baseball we've had some international sports that are kind of coming back we've got uh we've got uh, the korean baseball league obviously on tv now so it's interesting you know it's interesting and, and i think the thing we were talking about before we got on here was that there's still a long way to go you know we're talking about the college space and next football season and nfl season we're still we're still several months out you know and and obviously a lot can change all i have to do is go back three months uh, to see that want to be optimistic and, and kind of see see what plays out because there's a lot of time between now and then yeah, and I think to your point, we've talked about it before on, on previous episodes is um, optimism matters, right? With, when it comes to leadership, you want to you want to believe the future is going to be better, better, so you can work to start creating that. You don't want to live in this doom and gloom space. And, and it has been interesting, you know. I don't know how many days or weeks we are into this thing. I think in Oklahoma, probably roughly two months ish um, into into shutdown. Again, it's kind of started to open back up a little bit, but um, two months into things not being the way they, they used to be. And a lot has changed in two months. Um, you know, two months ago, or even a month and a half ago, a lot of doom and gloom. Sports are canceled for the rest of the years, what everyone thought. Um, and that could still hold, hold true, although, like you said, we're starting to see things start to open back up to some degree. Uh, 
And because a lot changes in, in that amount of time, situations have changed. We have new information, better information. And, and as it relates to college sports in the fall, I mean, it's, we're recording this on May 12th, more than half of May still left, all of June still left, all of July still left. That's a lot of time for, for things to change. And again, this isn't to um, predict that the sports are going to be back in full swing this fall, but a lot can change in, in those two and a half months. And, and the trend right now seems to be a, a good trend. Uh, so it is nice to have some sports on TV, uh, even if it's it's Korean baseball. We, we've been watching it. It's better than nothing. All, we've, we've watched Korean baseball, which is a step up from marble racing, which is what we've, we've been watching on YouTube with our kids. Um, and so then we'll looks like we'll have some soccer back, which is going to be great. Um, and then potentially baseball. I know golf is going to have some things um, happening as well. We just had the UFC. And so some version of, of a little bit more normal is starting to kind of um, become a trend. Yeah, absolutely. So that's uh, so we get we get that to, to look forward to and, and that to work through for a while. But today, um, want to kind of get into your new book. It's out and it's available. Should be now by the time we're uh, we're releasing this. So tell us first off a little bit about the book and and how it came about. Yeah. So the book it's titled "Keep Chopping Wood: An Ordinary Approach to Achieving Extraordinary Success." Credit to Andy Shogan. Hopefully, I pronounced his last name right. Um, one of the guys on the launch team, um, he helped with the subtitle. I was really struggling with, with the subtitle, and he he helped with that. Launch team gave some great feedback, and and so I it was January. I was actually talking to my wife about this just the other day of, of when this actually happened, um, but it was it was I believe January 11th, and let me check my my Twitter account to see if that's correct. It was a Saturday, January 11th, pretty late at night. Uh, I had it was cold in Oklahoma City, like freezing freezing cold weather. And my neighbor actually has a wood-burning fireplace. And so I was smelling it. I love the smell of, of wood fireplace. Uh, and I, I had a thought, because I'm weird, of like, I wonder what the process is like of getting firewood. And so I Googled it and realized like that takes a long time. Like you, It takes 9 to 12 months for wood to be ready. So then I fired off a tweet about, you know, if you don't, you don't chop wood today because you need to fire today. You chop wood today because you need to fire tomorrow. And it, I went to bed, and this was, again, this was like, this was at 1027 at night on a Saturday. I fired off this tweet. Uh, and it said, you don't chop wood because you need it today. You chop it today so you have it when you need a fire tomorrow. Your team will face adversity. Do the work today to build relational trust and culture so when adversity hits, you can overcome. Make sure you have wood for the fire. So it's not just about your skill. It's about your team culture. And so I go to bed. I look at my wife said, I think I just have a great idea for a new book. And she's like, it's a day that ends in day. So I'm sure you did um, because that's just, I always have an idea for a book or a business or something. And I woke up the next morning and this is a weird thing to say. So for those listening, I'm not this vain. It's a weird world, but that tweet blew up, like blew up, blew up. And I think at this point it's my, I don't keep track of these things. Like it's probably my most retweeted engaged with tweet. Uh, I mean, it, it has 300 retweets, a thousand likes. I'm not spouting those from memory. I'm actually looking at the tweet. So again, not that vain. It's been seen by 138,000 people. So I was like, okay, that resonated. And then I remembered actually a story of like me being out in the woods with my grandpa um, as a kid and him teaching me the story about chopping. It was kind of all coming back because I, I knew when I, when I researched it, like there was this familiarity. I'm like, somehow I know that story. Like I know that principle. Like I've heard that. Um, so I remember the story with my grandpa of that being the case. Well, you know, I do my daily email. And so that Monday, two days later, I used that story in my daily email. And, and that email that I write each day, for those who don't get it, 
Um, it's just a, a thought to encourage people, inspire people. Like I'm not asking for things. Um, it's just a way to get kind of your mind in the right spot for the day. And so I usually get three to four responses, maybe a week to email. Like the point isn't to get responses. It's just to, to kind of inspire people. That email, not exaggerating, I probably got 40 responses of, man, I printed this off and I gave this to my son. I share, I'm giving this to our whole team. I'm like, and that just kept happening over and over. And I was like, okay, like that's two for two. This, this message has resonated. Uh, and so the next day, our office, this is pre, pre shutdown. Um, our office is, is above a coffee shop. There's a coffee shop on the first floor. And so I went down the next day on Tuesday. So sent the tweet, had the idea January 11th, sent the email January 13th, January 14th, sat down and by lunch was done with the book. Uh, and so in four hours, just kind of had it, had it. And again, I know that sounds um, like highly productive and accomplished. It's, it's 9,000 words. I didn't write a 40,000 word book in four hours. It's short story, fable style. And I, and I was like, I felt good about it. And, and so I sent it to a few people that uh, are pretty critical because I want, I want honest feedback from people that I trust. I don't want people like, this is amazing. Like, of course, and it's terrible. Um, I think the way I phrased it in my, my launch team email is like, I don't want to be that person on American Idol who like mom thinks I'm great, but the judges are like, you sound like a sick donkey. Like this you're actually terrible. But the people I sent it to were like, Kevin, this is actually amazing. I, I can't, I don't have a criticism, like obviously grammar and structure stuff. Like this, this story is actually really incredible. Uh, this is going to make a big impact. And so it's like, great. Um, and so here we are, took me some time. And, and again, the beauty one one benefit of this I should say the beauty one benefit of this current situation is it allowed me to finish it edit it get it all completed and actually publish the book in the middle of this global pandemic otherwise i would have put it off until you know who knows when so that's that's the the story behind um how the book came about so you talked about like the the feedback and you put out again obviously an email every day why do you think it was this one resonated so much that's a great question uh, I actually, I don't know. I think, I think the simplicity, um, you know, I, I think too often, whether it's in leadership or anything else, things, we try to complicate things way too much and, you know, in, in the publishing world. So I, I, this is, this is a self-published book, right? I don't, I don't have a traditional publishing contract. I don't, I don't go that route. That's not a knock on, on people who do mostly, I don't have the energy to like create a book proposal and, and deal with, with that whole process and wait six to eight to 12 months, like to put a book out. I just want to write it and get it out whenever I want to. Um, but it's, you know, most book publishers, you've got to write a 20, 40, 50,000 word book and messages get lost in, in that. And so the beauty of, of, in my, in my brain, I don't, I don't like a lot of information, right? I love short and sweet, get to the point, which is why I love Twitter. Cause I can try to take a big thought and put it into 280 characters. Um, and same thing with my daily email, I can take a thought and put it into one or two paragraphs. And so I think, and as, as I kept kind of testing that keep chopping wood message, I, it just kept resonating, kept resonating, kept resonating. And, and I think it's it almost what I've been hearing from people is that that message is an encouragement because people feel stuck. People get frustrated. They're wanting change. They're wanting growth. They're wanting progress. They're wanting, you know, fill in the blank. And there, and it feels like it's never going to happen. It's like, no, 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 I have to keep, I have to keep going. It is a process. It does take time. I just have to keep chopping. If I keep doing the right things the right way, good things will come. And so it's, it's felt like that's just been an encouragement to people. Um, and, and for, you know, most of my, it, and I, I've tested it out with 
coaches, with athletic directors, with CEOs, with teachers, uh, with people from every industry. Uh, but it, it's, it's also felt like something they could give their team of like, guys, whatever season we're in, I know it's difficult. We're, we're building towards something that requires us to do the work today. And so it's an encouragement to their teams as well. Of like, Hey, don't get, don't get burnt out on the process. Don't, don't get tired. Remember where we're going and what that requires of us today. So I feel like the simplicity of that and that it's kind of can be used as an encouragement has, has seemed to resonate really well with people. Yeah, I think it's, it might also be that the important things are things that we really know, and then we just need to be reminded of. Simple, but not easy. And I think, you know, a lot of it is that, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to read the book early, and it's one of those things that, to me at least, you could apply to most different seasons of your life, of your career. And I know in the story, you know, it follows a character through school and college and career and life and marriage, which I think is neat. But you know, that's really just a, a, a principle that you need to chip away at things, you know, don't expect to get the result today. You know, if you're going out there and chopping wood and then throwing the fire, it's not a, it's a season, I think is the term they use for, for wood that has to be dried out. So it'll actually burn and burn clean and not just be, you know, this, this gross mess. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's really part of it too. So you talked a little bit about the self-publishing angle, and I think that's an interesting one. We've obviously kicked that around a little bit. You mentioned the, the the advantage of having or not having the page constraints, and you know you're writing this for for everyone to, to read it, not for an agent or a literary group or a publisher, um, and you don't really have to worry about market research and and so you see the resonance that it has with people. So talk a little bit more about what goes into self-publishing a book, and uh, you know go a little bit more into why you went that route. Yeah, and your point's a great one, right? Now, I'm some of what I'm speaking about is is ignorance because I've not gone through the process, but I have researched the process um, of traditional publishing and what you have to do to get your book in front of someone, right? Like I said, the market research, who is this for, why should they care, and like really, really, really nailing it down, drilling down, and then it's going to be blown up 47 more times, you know, before before it ever hits hits the real world. And I've seen some of that, you know, Jeremy, my business partner, they. He and his co-founder with Giant, they've, they've got a traditional publishing contract. So I've watched them go through the process for three or four books now. Um, and, and there are some advantages to that, certainly. But for me, it's, it's you know, my, my process. And I did every book. This is my third book, sort of. I don't consider Leadership Interrupted a book. It's just a collection of, of emails and kind of daily inspirations. But um, so this is, the, and this is my first book I've actually written from like a story perspective, right? I Athlete was more of like, kind of establishing a, a, an idea or a need around student athletes and social media. This is my first, I would say, first real book, first real story. And, you know, the self-publishing piece, it just gives you so much more control. So for me, um, I, can, I can, I know, so Twitter for me is like a testing ground, right? I'm sharing things I'm thinking about. I'm sharing things that I'm learning um, and I'm learning how to phrase them to where they resonate with people. Some thoughts I'll put out and get no interaction. Um, some I'll put out and like they blow up. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. That something about that resonated. Why? And that could lead to an email. That could lead to a video. That could lead to a book. Um, and so that is my testing ground, uh, because I and mostly because that that's my my the industry I spend the most time in is sports. And so most of my my social media followers on Twitter are in the sports world. And so that gives me there's enough, and I have a you know a decent of enough following. Um, to where I can feel like I can get a feel if something works or not. So 
uh, I don't have to go through all the the, the process and, and hopes, right, of traditional publishing. The beauty of self-publishing is like, if you have an idea, you can put it into the world. Nobody's stopping you. And it's it's so cheap. Um, and I looked at a few different routes. I looked at there's there's self-publishing, there's traditional publishing, there's kind of in between, in between you actually pay organizations and they do some work for you. But I felt like I had a decent enough platform. I understood the internet well enough. I could I could make this happen without without the help of any kind of publishing world. I have good enough network, enough support. I used Trey Jackson at Rice. He designed the cover, paid him for that. Um, I used Fiverr to have it edited. I love Fiverr. Um, it's one of my favorite. You can you can pay 25, 30 bucks and get a video made. You can get, I mean, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then I had launch team and and I built, you know, I, the website took me 15 minutes. Like you don't need a crazy website for a book, right? It's here's the book. Here's what it's about. Here's the author. Go buy it. Uh, and so this total, it just cost me a few, uh, under a thousand dollars total to have this book ready. Everything else I looked at, it was going to be at least a six to eight month process, like at a minimum. And the other piece of this is like, now I have full control. I can price it how I want to. I can lower the price and raise the price if I want to. I can do whatever. I can pu- hit, hit publish whenever I want to. Um, I can, I can I have full control. Um, and that's the other thing with the traditional publishing is because there's so many costs involved, you have to price books, in my opinion, way too high. Uh, I, people just don't want to pay $25 for a book. And, and this one, A, it's, it's a, again, 9,000 words. To even price it at $15, I think, would be too much. Um, so I don't have to. I, I don't have to. I don't have to because of a publisher. I can price it. I know what the cost is to print it, um, and I can I can I can raise my price anywhere above that I want to. And so the other beauty of publishing through Amazon self publishing is I don't have to have books in stock. I, I don't have to go buy 300 books, store them in my garage or in my office, and like hope to sell them. Amazon prints them on demand. Uh, so that's such a massive win to say, oh, oh, you want 500 books? Great, go to Amazon, order it. They'll they'll get it to you. Um, and so there's just, for me, what I've, I've just found so many, I, I want to say never, um, so I never want to say never, but I don't, one, it would require me to have a different level of platform, but I don't know that I would ever go the traditional publishing route. I've just found so many benefits to self-publishing and and it's worked. I mean, the, the support, I've, I've already got CEOs and athletic directors and coaches saying, I'm buying this for my whole team, my whole organization. And, and so it feels like it's going to resonate pretty well without needing all the, the details, all the heavy lifting that comes with traditional publishing. Again, not to knock that world, just doesn't feel like it's the right space for me. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And I think people kind of underestimate the tools that are out there. Like a lot of people say, I'd love to be a published author. My dream's always been to write a book. You know, I think, especially now, there's really, you know, there's not many excuses for not being able to make that happen. Is it going to be Random House and the book tour at every Barnes & Noble in the Northeast. No, um, it's going to be different. Let's go back to the content of the book. You know, obviously, this came together so quick. When you were writing it, did you have a specific audience? I mean, I know I think we talked about the universal lesson of the book, but when you were when it was just kind of coming out and you were putting it down on paper, did you have a, a coaches or executives or student athletes or any audience kind of particularly in mind when, when you were writing it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, like I said, my, my world is mostly the sports world. Um, and so generally that, but I also think, and this is, again, to go back to the battle of traditional versus self, 
they want traditional publishing wants you to nail down who specifically is, is this for. Now that doesn't mean others don't buy it, obviously, right? If you say this is for student athletes, that doesn't mean coaches or CEOs or executives or teachers don't buy it, of course. But like, who are you specifically, like who would you be sitting across from reading this book to? It was written with the sports world in mind, but also with humans in mind. And I know that's really general, but it's like, if you're working towards something, there's a process to that. Um, it's gonna, and, and I, I even say at the end of the book, you know, if, if you're trying to, to go like to save money for a big vacation, it requires you to save a little bit today. Like all these, all these little things, um, whatever your, your journey, if you're trying to write a book, well, you write a page today. Um, if you're trying to lose weight, well, you go to the gym today. And, and so the, this idea, you keep chopping wood, you just keep showing up, you keep doing the work. It, it, it legitimately applies to anything in life. And so as I was sitting down to write it kind of frantically in, in four hours before the thought left my brain and I, a squirrel ran by, I was thinking of coaches um, and a message they would, coaches and athletes, right? A message that they would share with, with their players of, because you're, you're trying to pursue this vision of, of a championship and you could easily get lost and overwhelmed by that goal. It's like, if we want to get there, we got to be the kind of person who does the work today. But then the same thing, right? When he's in, in college with school, if you want to graduate, you've got to do the work today. Um, if you want to, uh, if you want to succeed in sales, you've got to do the work. You got to keep showing up, keep making the phone calls. Again, it's, it's for generally for coaches and, and, and athletes, but, but I, I do think um, not to be too much of a generalist, but I do think it, it, it it applies to anyone who will read it. And, I, and that's been proven true by people on the launch team, people I've sent it out to, because I've got people, I've got people in the construction industry that I don't know uh, who are on the launch team who are reading it. Or like, I'm buying this for the whole organization. This is perfect. I've had teachers. I've had superintendents. I've had coaches. I've had oil and gas executives. I've had pastors. Um, so it's, it's, I've been grateful to have that wide of a net on the launch team and just in my network in general. I haven't had negative feedback yet. I've had constructive feedback. Uh, but I haven't had any like, hey, this is a huge miss yet, which is which is really encouraging. Yeah, I think one of the things that I like about it too, it's really for any season of, of some you know, somebody's life or career, right? I mean, on one hand, once you realize this lesson, it's not going to help you today, maybe, right? It's good if you're in a, a an absolute stuck position and you're trying to just get motivated to to hack your way out of it. Um, and I use that as in like a, uh, a hack, not hacking like with a, with an ax, but if you're just trying to do that, it's maybe not the same thing. This is looking down the road and, you know, it reminds me of that quote. I think it was Bill Gates who said it, that we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year and then underestimate what we can do in a decade. And this is just that idea of, of just taking one or two small things each day and kind of putting it away, putting it in the reserve, you know, it's what we should be doing with our, with our finances, but you know, anything else, you know, you just make that one investment a day, you're reading 10 pages of the book each day, and all of a sudden you've read 20 bucks a year. Uh, you know, you're just doing the 10 minutes of workout, 15 minutes of working out, all of a sudden, you know, you lose 10 pounds in a year. Um, you know, it's not the quick win, it's not the quick thing to do, but it's doing just a little bit away every day to chip away. I mean, that's what I took from it. Is that, is that really the kind of the main, the main message? Yeah, it's, we, we live in, an instant gratification culture, right? We, with a click of a button, we can get our money. We can do anything. Uh, we can drive through, right, to get uh, money out of an ATM, to get our food, to get our dry cleaning, to get our medicine, to get anything. And so we, we expect that with success. We expect that with the results in our life. We expect that with our career. You've got 25 or 24-year-old people in their first job who expect to be an executive already, 
um, who are already expecting that that first promotion, or they're wondering why am I not in that chair yet, or why am I not, um, why am I in this place financially? I want I want to go on this trip or buy this house or whatever it may be. It's okay, great, but that's not going to happen on accident. And I love that quote by by Bill Gates or whoever came up with it because life is about playing the long game, and and we get really frustrated and really impatient because of our current situation. And this isn't to like gloss over your current situation. It may be tough. Like I said, you may be stuck in a position, but you're not going to get out of it on accident, right? You're not going to get out of it by complaining. You're not going to get out of it um, by whining, being frustrated. You're going to get out of it by doing the right things. And will it take time? Yes. You're not just going to flip a switch and all of a sudden a new opportunity is going to be there tomorrow. And we're, and and for most of our life, we're looking for the life hack. We're looking for the shortcut, right? I mean, even with writing a book, you can Google like how to, the short, like how to write a book in a month. You know, and I would argue like you're probably not gonna write a good book in a month. Well, I wrote this in four hours, so then I'm a hypocrite. But with most things in life, like it's going to take time. But it's it's how do how do I build a million dollar business in a year? You don't. You could get lucky, uh, but you're you're not going to to probably intentionally like unless you you've built businesses before, right? You start a new one, but you've been doing this for 30 years. But we we've, we're looking for all the life hacks, looking at all the shortcuts. How can I lose 30 pounds in 15 days? And you can't in a in a way that's good actually good for your body or your health. You, you, you get to those end results by showing up and doing the work, right? It's like you have to show up each day and you, and you have to build those daily disciplines, those daily habits that actually allow you to create that outcome that you want and not just once, but consistently. And so that's, that's kind of the idea of the book. It's like be the kind of person who shows up. He says, I know where I want to go, but I know what that requires of me today. And, and, and we want to keep doing all the flashy things. Like, you know, it starts out with kid football season. He's frustrated that they're doing like very basic drills, like, man, we're past this. And the coach is like, no, you haven't mastered this. Right? It's like, you have to be brilliant. You're trying to do all these fancy things and look good. You've got to be brilliant in the basics. Like that's what a lot, that's the foundation that you, that you build from. Um, and, and when you hit adversity, when you, when chaos hits, you revert back to your training, you re- revert back to what you know, what you've, you've done the work because we're all going to face adversity. We're all going to have those tough times. And when it comes to our craft or when it comes to our culture. So, so the, the book isn't just about, mastering a skill or pursuing a goal as an individual it's also about a team and so the idea of chopping wood uh, and it's not ready for months right again nine to twelve months it takes for that wood to dry out to become seasoned to become useful to become ready um, although and so we use that as a, as a as a dynamic for a team it's like you've got to have the right relationships and culture that you're building for when adversity hits because you don't want to be in the moment in the game let's say you're a baseball player and so think of it from a craft perspective and from a team perspective. From a, from, from a craft perspective, you don't want to be standing um, at the bottom of the ninth, up, up the plate, and you didn't do the work. You haven't prepared. And so you're saying, oh, gosh, I hope this guy walks me. I hope this guy is just like, I hope he's nervous because I'm, I'm actually not ready. I didn't do the work. I didn't prepare. Um, I'm just hoping the other guy makes a mistake. Well, you didn't do the work. You didn't chop the wood to be ready for the fire. Or you're that pitcher thing, like, I hope this guy swings at a bad pitch because <laughs> I'm not mentally prepared. I didn't, I didn't, I never put myself in this situation. Now I feel overwhelmed. And so it's, it's the craft piece, um, but it's also the team. Like when that adversity hits, you're going to say, guys, we got to stick together. It's like stick together. And you go grab that wood uh, from the rack and you try to throw it in the fireplace, that wood, that, that, that log that says stick together. And you're, you don't stick together because there's no real relationship. There's no trust. Like we haven't been together all season. Everyone's just been about themselves. And so you're trying to lean on relationships that aren't there, which means you're going to crumble. It's like, guys, trust each other. You're, you're going to trust and fight for each other. You throw that log on the fire. Well, you haven't done the work to like build that relational trust. Um, it's like, I don't trust you to get the job done. I trust you to look out for number one. 
Uh, and so again, you, under under pressure, you start to crumble. But if, as a team, if you chop wood together, if you build the relationships, when that adversity hits, and it will, you're going to be ready for it. Um, it doesn't guarantee success, but it at least gives you the opportunity to succeed. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the um, the theory. I think Stephen Pressfield talks about this a lot of being the difference between an amateur and a professional. And you know, an amateur thinks you know you can you can get lucky and whatever you do, right? You get lucky and you can, you can make money, you can get a great job and all this stuff without doing the work. But the, the professional knows that you have to get in there and, and do the work and, and, and put in the time and master that craft, whatever it is. You know, you can't fake that when you're, when the things are really down. And it, all, it also kind of reminds me of, um, and it's, I know we're, we're, it's a little bit ironic considering how fast you wrote this, this book. And I don't think you would consider yourself necessarily uh, an author or a writer as your as your main uh, vocation, but I think there's a lot of people who want to be a writer, and there's a lot less people who are willing to to be a writer and do the writing, the the ten, I don't know, the 500 words a day, you know, that you just need to get out, that sitting down at the at the computer and banging out a few paragraphs every day, no matter what, no matter how you feel, no matter if you're inspired, you know, it's, inspiration is for amateurs. I think it's from that book, being there, showing up chopping the wood and then moving on with your day. And, you know, that stuff adds up eventually, obviously, you know, this is, this compounds, there's compounding interest um, for most things. You know, we talk about that financially and anybody who's ever looked at one of those tables and realizes, you know, if you put a little bit away each month after 50 years, 20 years, you have an enormous amount of money saved up, even if the initial investment is very small. So um, I think that's uh, a really interesting point. What would you, what advice would you give to folks who are looking for like a practical way to get started with this mindset? You know, and to your previous point, that's that's the key, right? It's like it doesn't matter you if you feel it, right? I love that quote, inspiration is for amateurs. It doesn't matter how you feel, it doesn't matter if you're winning or losing, you show up. Like the what you control is your attitude and your effort. Um, and so I think that's the thing with with kind of the, the main message behind this book, uh, I think is is we can get overwhelmed with our goals. We can get frustrated with with our lack of with our perceived lack of progress. We can get frustrated with our situation, and we want all of these things. We want to have more money. We want to have more wins. We want to have more influence. We want to be healthier. Um, whatever the whatever the the fill in the blank goal is, great. That requires something of you today. And it's like if you really want that, you're going to show up today and do the work. You're going to show up today and chop the wood. And it's a, it's about believing that that vision is possible. Believing you can become that. You know, I I believe I can lose 50 pounds. I can believe that I can be a healthy person. Okay, great. That's that's a key, right? If you don't believe in that, you're never going to do it. So believe in that vision, and then you've got to commit to the process. It's like there's a if I want to lose weight, well, that requires something of me. There's a process to losing weight. If I want to be a championship level team, there's a process to becoming a that skilled from a talent perspective, but b that connected as a team. So I've got to I've got to commit to that process, and then I have to show up each day and do the work. Uh, however I feel, whatever the day looks like. I don't, I don't have to wait to feel it. I show up, I do the work, I show up, I chop the wood. If I want to have, if I want to be able to stay warm in the winter, that requires me to chop wood today, um, nine months ahead of time, a year ahead of time. And I just think the mindset that it takes and, and so much uh, of life of success, however you want to frame success, uh, of growth of impact is about mindset. The mindset it takes to, to think about someone sitting in the woods and I'm sure now we have machinery for all this stuff, right? But like, if you're living out in, in, in the backwoods and you're chopping down your own trees and you're chopping your own firewood, 
the mindset it takes knowing that you're doing that in March and you're not using that wood until November or December. It's like that can, that we can get so frustrated. It's like, man, what's the point of the work? Because we don't, we, we don't see the, it's and our, with our, with our wrong glasses, we don't see, we don't have the right perspective. And we just get frustrated. It's like, I'm so tired of this. But it's like, no, no, this is for, this is for another day. I'm preparing for, for something bigger. I'm preparing for something better. I'm not going to have the thing I want if I don't actually do the work today. Because if, if, if I don't do the work, it's going to be December. I'm going to be freezing. And I'm going to be wishing I had done the work. And so some of it's about even the season that we're in right now, right? The world is shut down. Okay, well, what are you going to do to get better? Because when August hits or September hits, you don't want to be looking back saying, I wish I would have done something different in March, in April, and May. I wish I would have done the work. Players can't practice right now. Okay, great. Well, I don't, I don't, I'll just play video games instead of practicing because there's no games anyway. Now, there will be games at some point. Are you going to be ready? Are you, are you going to, well, you have done the work and chopped the wood so that when that switch gets flipped, it's game on. You're ready to perform. You're ready to do the work. Um, or you're going to be like, oh man, I spent too much time complaining and waiting and, and now I'm not ready for the moment. One of my favorite quotes is, uh, and anybody who's ever worked with me is going to probably laugh because they've heard this too many times, but the best time to plant an oak tree was 50 years ago and the, the next best time was today. So, you know, I think a lot of this stuff is, you're right, it can be really painful when you realize I haven't done the work for whatever it is um, to be where I want to be, whether it's putting the money away to be financially secure of learning the ins and outs of your your craft of building a network. So, you you know, when you need a job, you have people you can reach out and talk to. And I think you hit on something very important, which is how do you get your team? And we're talking about this from a team standpoint and leading a group. How do you get them to focus on the end goal? Like, how do you, what would you tell a leader to say, we should, we should read this book. We should embrace these principles. But you know, after a while, after the kind of initial rush, maybe wears off, and you're still doing these things that have a long-term impact. What's a good way or, or what would you advise somebody who wants to help their team keep the end in mind, you know, through the good and the bad? Yeah, I think it's, it's constantly reminding the team of the vision, right? Here's why we're doing this. It's like, we're not, this isn't about today. I know this isn't fun because the other thing, like work isn't always fun. I hate the phrase that if, if you, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's stupid. <laughs> Like, that's just, that's just a really dumb saying. Uh, and it puts a really unhealthy expectation and burden on people. I think I love what I do, but not always, you know, we've talked about this before. It's like, you'll, you'll love the impact. You'll love pieces of it. Um, I love being with teams. I love being on campus whenever I get to travel. Um, I, I love doing zoom calls with teams. So getting to pour into leaders and organizations. Um, I don't love 3am wake up calls or sitting in airports or on airplanes all day. Right. That's part of the work that I don't love but I do it because I know what that gets me to. And so it's reminding people of the vision of the impact to say, guys, if we want to be there, there, it requires us to be here today. This is what we have to do today. And it's, and it's even taking the results out. So I don't, I don't, I would never tell a coach your goal is to win a championship because that's out of your control. You, you could play your best possible game every game of the season and lose, right? Cause the other team may put things could happen. Uh, there's just so much out of your control. So it's not about winning a championship. It's about being the kind of team that competes for championships. So if I want to be that kind of team, if I want to be that kind of player, what does that require of me today? And like, you can talk about it or you can be about it. And, and so I, I want to be the kind of person and, and 
I'm not always this, right? But like, I want to be the kind of person who does the work. I want to be the type of person who doesn't, who doesn't spend all the, all this time talking about their hopes and their dreams and their goals and what I want to happen. I want to be the kind of person who makes those things happen or at least puts myself in position to make those things happen. And so that's really the core of this is like, take away the outcomes. What kind of person do you want to be? I want to be the kind of person who, who reaches those outcomes. Um, and whether I reach those outcomes or not really doesn't matter. It's, am I doing the work to put myself in position to have the opportunity to reach those outcomes? And so that's the thing with, with players, like, because the work can get frustrating, it can get tiring, it can get exhausting. Um, I even say in the book, greatness is boring. Uh, and so that's okay, right? We want the titles, we want the trophies. You got to do the work. And so it's just consistently reminding the team of this is why, this is why, and making sure you're celebrating along the way, right? You don't just want to like do the work, do the work, like pound that into people. It's like, you want to celebrate those behaviors. You want to celebrate those efforts. You want to celebrate that energy um, because that, that, that encourages them to keep going, right? When people feel seen, when they feel valued, when they feel celebrated and acknowledged, they want to keep showing up and, and doing that work and putting in that effort. And so making sure that you're celebrating wins along the way, you know, even, even in the book, we put a number of exercises. So this isn't just a a book to read, like there are exercises to help you become a better leader, to build a more intentional culture, um, practical things that I, I didn't just want to write a 30,000 foot inspirational book. I wanted to bring it to ground level to actually implement things um, because that's how we create change, right? We've talked about it before. There's enough information out in the world. What are you going to do to implement it? So you mentioned celebrating the wins. Um, and I think one of the things I'd be curious to your, your take on it, but to me, it's also a shift on what you celebrate. Um, and I think that could be, you know, we're all in the results business, right? Results matter. Um, results are, are important. That's what we get paid on. But maybe it, it's a shift in celebrating or congratulating an improvement over, you know, closing the sale. Like, hey, that, that RFP response was way better than the last one. And it didn't come through this time. We didn't get the business. Um, but, you know, that could have been a million different reasons. Uh, our competitor could be uh, brother-in-law of the person doing the purchasing, you know, we can't control that. You mentioned that with the coaching and, and the team, sometimes your, your best just isn't good enough to win, um, you know, a national championship, right? There's some, some football teams out there that they could play at their absolute peak, hundred percent capacity as well as they possibly could. And they're, you know, they can't beat Alabama just because they don't have the horses or whatever. So do you think it's different, a different way of celebrating? Is it a, what's the change look like from a practical day-to-day -day, uh, standpoint on what you are celebrating with your team? I think it's huge. And, and the tough part with sports specifically is that we, it is such a results-based world. All we really care about is wins. Now, if you talk to coaches who win, they'll tell you what they really appreciate are the people. The relate. They're not going to remember the wins. They're going to remember the, the teams, the times with the players, the, the struggles through adversity. Like, you know, Billy Donovan, uh, I think it was after his second title at Florida, he was like almost depressed. It's like, this is it right at the peak of his games. Like this is it. And so we get so married to outcomes, which it just, I'm not anti-outcome, right? Obviously we want to win. Like that's, that's not a bad thing, but when you're so married to that, it's, it's an unhealthy thing that because, and you do whatever you can to get that outcome, which ultimately will, will hurt a lot of different things. And so as, as coaches, as leaders, as bosses, what we celebrate matters um, because if we only celebrate outcomes, People are going to, they're not going to live the values. They're going to live the outcomes, whatever I can ignore values. I can do whatever I, whatever matters over here. Um, I can do whatever I want to do over here as long as I get the outcome, because that's really what matters. Um, and so you could have a terrible RFP. You could have a terrible game, whatever. And you celebrate the outcomes. Like, well, those guys just played terrible. <laughs> they got lucky. You know, a couple of things went their way, whatever it may be. Now you want to celebrate that you won. 
but you want to, you need to acknowledge like, Hey, the behaviors that we have, the standard that we have, the way of operating actually wasn't what it should be. So you don't want to reward bad behavior, but, and you don't want to, um, you don't want to ignore good behavior, right? Just because the result wasn't what you wanted. So maybe you lost the game, but it's like, guys, you did everything right. You, you pass when you were supposed to, you cut when you were supposed to, you communicated the way you were supposed to, you gave the effort you were supposed to, you executed the way you, you should have just didn't go our way. And that's life. But acknowledging the effort, acknowledging the way that people showed up, because that gets them to do more of that, right? You, you celebrate and acknowledge and reward whatever it is that you want more of. And it can't just be the result. You want more communication. You want more clarity. You want more effort. You want more, you know, fill in the blank. That's what you focus on celebrating because those are the things that will lead to the outcomes consistently. And that's as a team, as a leader, it's like, I don't want to win a game. I don't want to win for a season. I want to win over the long run. And so if I can focus on the outcome in the short term and I can get, I can have a short term, like I can have a good season or a good year, but if I didn't build the foundation of good, of good characteristics, of good culture, of good work ethic, of good behaviors, of good habits, I'm not going to win next year. So you can drag people to a winning season. You can't drag them to to a winning program, to a winning legacy, right? That comes from celebrating all the right things, which builds that foundation to get those outcomes, or at least give you the chance to have those outcomes on a consistent basis. So rewarding the things that allow you to win consistently. Yeah. It reminds me, I watched recently on HBO, the, uh, the documentary, I think you tweeted about this. So I know you've seen it. The, the, the one with Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, uh, art of coaching, I think it was called. And there's a scene where um, Alabama is playing somebody. I don't remember who, and I probably wouldn't mention them if I, if I even did, because they were getting, Alabama was crushing them, but there was like four seconds left and, forget what happened. The guy jumped off sides on Bama or something. And it was kind of funny because it was 47 to seven or something. It was, it was, it was a blowout as it should have been. Um, but you know, he was just on somebody for this thing with like four, four seconds, seven seconds. I forget what it was like the second to last play of the game. And, uh, you know, you can look at that and say, Hey, that's just crazy. And this guy's a tyrant and, you know, a lunatic and whatever. But I think the deeper issue there is that he knew that wasn't that kind of effort and that kind of focus and that kind of execution wasn't going to be enough. You know, it was enough to beat this team, but it wasn't going to be enough to beat LSU or Florida or Georgia when it came to them in the season. So they're not, they're not recalibrating their reward system or, you know, their punishment system to, uh, to worry about the outcome. They're worried about the, the process. And I think it's just a really good thing to, uh, to lean on and love the message. And yeah, it really is a, is a fantastic book. I hope everybody has a chance to come pick it up. Kevin, before we break, anything else uh, you want to add? Where, where can they find the book or anything else you, you want to add to the conversation? Yeah, no, I, I think, John, your last point, the, the critical piece of that, and again, you can, you can say Saban looks like a jerk for that. No, what he's doing is saying we're comparing ourselves to our potential, not to our competition. Right? It's like, what are we capable of? We didn't play to that level. Yes, you want to like, celebrate that you won, of course. Did you operate the way, did you, operate the way you were capable of operating? <clears throat> That's the question. Um, and that, and Again, that's not to suck the fun out of it. We need to have a lot of fun, right? Otherwise, people get get burned out. So we need to have fun. We need to celebrate. But it's did you operate to the, to the best of your ability? You know, we'll we'll get into this in a different episode. But you know, part of the the last dance documentary with Jordan, he's like, people set aside three hours of their time to come watch me. I'm I felt obligated to be to bring my best for that entire time, and that's the thing, right? We have an obligation. I've I've been saying this for this whole season. Not an opportunity to be our best. We have an obligation to be our best at all times. And are, are we performing 
up to our, our potential. And so that's, that's what the book gets at, right? You're not going to perform up to your potential if you don't do the daily work to build that strong foundation. So I, I am, I'm really excited about, about this book. Um, I've been really encouraged by the feedback so far. Um, you can get it on Amazon, just type in keep chopping wood, um, or you can just go to keepchoppingwood.com and there's a link there um, that will take you straight straight to Amazon to buy it. So May 19th is the day that that it comes out. Um, I can't wait for people to, to actually have it in their hands. I got the author proofs in uh, on Mother's Day. I couldn't post about that on social media because that would have been a jerk move to talk about my book on Mother's Day. Um, but, but it arrived on Mother's Day and it was just such a surreal moment um, to actually hold a book in your hand that you wrote. It was, it was really cool and to have, have my kids there. So I, I'm genuinely excited and fired up about this book. I know if you create something, you are going to be excited about it, but I, I can't wait to see the impact that it has. And, and uh, so go get it. Keepchoppingwood.com. Appreciate you guys listening for your support.